What the hell's the name of this thing? The Ballsy Podcast. Hosted by the award-winning Evan Grant. This is my baby, and these two were just along riding my carpet, my carpet tail. Kevin Sherrington. I did not choose the dance life, it chose me. Barry Horn. You know what my intention is? When's the last time that anybody has ever asked you a question? No one's ever asked me a question. I'm married. Get ready for the most listened to sports podcast in Dallas-Fort Worth. I'm Evan Grant, and this is Balls. I'm Kevin Sherrington. And I'm Barry Horn. Simply subscribe to the Ballsy Podcast on iTunes. You know we're on Facebook and Twitter, too. Just search Ballsy Podcast. That's Ballsy with a Z. So sit back, relax, that's relax with an X, and enjoy another edition of the Ballsy with a Z Podcast. Hello, everybody, and welcome into the Sports Day DFW Dallas Morning News Sports Podcast, Ballsy. I'm Kevin Sherrington. I'm Barry Horn. And joining us on the phone is the one and only General John McClain from the Houston Chronicle. Hi, John. How are you? I'm doing great, guys. How are you? We're doing really well. You are actually not in Houston right now. You have been up here in our neighborhood since Sunday uh, because of, uh, of everything that's going on in Houston. I guess, uh, first of all, I want to ask you, John, is everything all right with your family and your home and everything else? Yes, it is, Kevin. Thank you. Um, I left, uh, let's see, last Wednesday I went to Cleveland and drove to Canton for a Pro Football Hall of Fame seniors meeting. Then on Thursday I went back to Houston. Friday I went to New Orleans. Sunday I drove from New Orleans. To Dallas rained on me the whole way, except when I got to Dallas. So uh, I feel guilty being up here uh, with the Texans and in New Orleans with the Texans. While my wife back home, she's not flooded. She's in a good situation, but so many people I know are and are experiencing such hardships. It's hard to be away and be so helpless. Yeah, I, I can I can uh, certainly sympathize with that. You know, I'm uh, grew up in Houston, uh, worked at the old Houston Post. I still got a lot of family down there in Pearland and Cypress and in in Houston itself. And and fortunately, I, I really count myself fortunate. And all of those uh, family members are dry. Uh, well, that's good. It, it did, so many aren't. Oh, you bet. That's right. It, it did get up in the yard all the way up to my mother's porch where my niece lives now. And uh, we were really nervous about that, but it receded. So it seems like everything's okay. So uh, that's uh, that's been a terrible time, and it's and it's led to a lot of uh, uh, of real uh, things that are have been touching not only in, in the volunteers and the things that they've done and helped uh, and brought out the best in people. It's brought out the best in some of these sports organizations too, and uh, and the Texans have uh, have been up here as well. When when did they actually get to town? They came to Dallas after the game Sunday night. They had started working on a contingency plan last Wednesday. General Manager Rick Smith oversaw that, and they sent a guy up here just in case to treat it like a road trip at the hotel. And they uh, came up from New Orleans after the game. They had to switch hotels yesterday after practice because the one where they went originally, which is where they stay when they play up here, had been booked. So now they've got one that they can – used for as long as they need to, and as we all know, the game's been moved. I thought it should have been canceled and just had joint practices at the Ford Center or even at AT&T, depending on how many people they thought might want to watch them have joint practices because the game means nothing, as you guys know. And so they're being treated like royalty. Cowboys have been incredible. 
Coach Bill O'Brien and Rick Smith, they couldn't say enough good things about Jerry Jones and, and uh, Charlotte, who's overseen it. And he's, they said when their advanced people arrived at the Star, which they'd never seen, Cowboys had somebody from every department and said, just tell us what you need, and it just couldn't have been better. Texans helping Texans. John, I was at practice yesterday at the uh, Texans practice. Of course, you were there. When you walked, when we walked in, when the, they allowed the media in, am I right that Bill O'Brien called you over to talk to you? Yeah, he did. You, what did he say? What do you want to know? He called. I, that, that, that's that's unusual. That's very un, let's very, that's very unusual because I I, I, well, I looked up and he called you over. So you're saying Jason Garrett doesn't call you over when uh, when we talk starts? we talk after you do in, yeah, in, in private. But but yeah. but I I, th- I thought that was such such. So different for for the coach to call a writer over and and well that's why we call John the general. I too. understand. Well, usually when coaches call writers over, they want to chew them out or <laughs> yeah, put up their back. That's and I'll right. tell you, I wish I could say, well, he wanted to see what I thought or anything like that. But <laughs> when he brought me over, he said, "By the way, I know you always ask the first question." He said, "I'm going to have a statement, so if you don't mind, could you hold off?" And I said, "Sure," because usually, as he's walking up before he gets said. I asked the first question, and uh, because I was always taught in journalism as Baylor, get your questions out of the way, because if you hold them back, then they may cut it off, and you go, oh, man, I had three more questions to ask. So I told him I'd be happy to wait till he was done with his statement. You know, uh, you've, you've been through a few head coaches. There. Can, off the top of your head, can you tell me how many coaches you cover, with the Oilers and the Texans? Eleven. Eleven head coaches. Uh, so where does Bill O'Brien rank in that uh, cast of characters? Are you talking about as a good coach? Now, let's a, let's say let's start with coaching. Yeah, let's start with that. Well, he's he's had three. I think he's a really good coach who has been unable to solve his quarterback problem. And if they had, they've been nine and seven three years in a row. Uh, I've never picked them to be nine and seven. I decided to go along this year and do it, which means they'll either finish eight and eight or ten and six. <laughs> yeah. They've got, I've seen him, and, I, and, and the players, I wrote a thing today about players talking about how great he's been through this crisis, the way he's handling everything with them, not saying this is the way we're going to do it, but how do you want to do it? Making sure every day the players are able to be in contact with their families as much as they want. You know, it's not just contacting your wife and children at home. you got parents in other parts of the country. you got brothers sisters, everybody sees the things on the images on TV and websites on HoustonChronicle.com. I'm amazed at the work our staff's doing, especially photographers going around town in boats. They're amazing. And, uh, and so he he uh, has been tremendous. He's a tough guy. He's a, he is a tough love coach. And Brock Osweiler could not handle it. They were constantly in conflict with each other from the get-go. Tom Savage, Deshaun Watson, Brandon Wheaton, they, those guys say, I want to be coached hard. O'Brien is tough. He is a screamer at practice, but the players respect him. And uh, he's he's in every drill at practice, not necessarily coaching, but watching. He wants to know what goes on on both sides of the ball. He's going to call plays this year for the first time since 2014. And, and, uh, and so they've got to get that position settled, that one little position. They're good everywhere else, but unless they get more consistency and productivity, they're not going to be any better, and Tennessee is going to dethrone, dethrone them as the AFC South 
champion. They've won that division four four times in five in six years in the last two because it hadn't been very good, but people expected at least the Titans to be better. So Brian, I like dealing with him. He's very emotional. He's moody. He's got a great sense of humor. He grew up in the Boston area. He thinks we don't get his sense of humor, but we do. We're we're not that stupid. <laughs> and uh, he's very he's very intense, and I like dealing with him. And I'll tell you a couple of times, he snapped at me, and then either texted me or come down to our the Chronicle office in the media room and said, "Hey, I said, don't worry about it." So I really like dealing with him, and and I think if he, Tom Brady told us last year, Brady went on and on. We didn't even ask for Brady on a conference call for the playoff game because we thought there's no way to do it. And I think he wanted to talk about O'Brien. And and, uh, he, and so we all know if he ever just gets quarterback settled, and that's a big if, I think people will understand he's a pretty good coach. So do you think Deshaun Watson settles that quarterback issue for the Texans? Way too early to tell. You know, you can't tell that at this point about any quarterback. And mm-hmm. and. He's looked good in the off season. He has a much better arm than I was led to believe. He can throw any route. He's smart. He works his tail off, not just on the field, staying late, but in the in the meeting rooms. The coaches say when he comes in in the morning, it's obviously it's obvious he's been studying the night before, and he got a good foundation at the line of scrimmage at Clemson. Most spread quarterbacks don't have a lot of responsibility mentally. He did. And that helped him make the adjustment because the Texans put a lot of pressure on their quarterback at the line of scrimmage. And Brock Osweiler couldn't handle that. And they think Watson can. Tom Savage has been in the system for four years. If Savage hadn't been hurt every year, and he's played very little, he got a, concuss- he got a shoulder injury playing against the Cowboys two years ago, went on IR for the season. If he had been, If he had been healthy, he would have been starting, and they probably wouldn't have traded for Watson, but they traded up 12 spots. First time general manager Rick Smith done anything ever traded up in the first round. And they love Watson, but he's not ready to start right now. Odds are, considering O'Brien has benched his starter in each of his first three years and the fact that Savage has been hurt in each of his first three years, the odds are Watson's going to be playing at some point. They hope, based on his personality, his work habits, and what they've seen on the field, that he will be the answer to their prayers because Houston has not had a great quarterback since Warren Moon, who was done after the '93 season. Let's let's that's let, a long time. Let, let's just shift over to the other team that's practicing at the Star this week, the Cowboys. From afar, how do you view the Zeke Elliott situation? And do you th- do you think six games means six games? I believe that uh, no. I think uh, when I've seen some of the suspensions reduced, you know, Greg Hardy, my God. If you reduce his suspension after what the judge said in the first court case over there, you should be reducing anybody's. Roethlisberger, 6-4. to four. I'm guessing, have no idea, that Henderson will knock it down to four. And then if they get an injunction and he plays, this is something to consider. Because we all know it's not what you do in September and October, but November and December. Right. Yeah. And if he plays now and then he's suspended in December, McFadden and Morris could be banged up. Uh, they could be then they could be in trouble. As it is, they're healthy now. I would do like the like the Patriots did last year. Take the lumps, do it now, get it over with, and then get out there and play. I think we all believe Dak Prescott is going to be better, even better this year. I thought he was the best rookie quarterback I've ever seen, and uh, 
and I think that he'll be better. He got receivers, great offensive line. You got two thousand yard rushers still in the backfield. I th- I would go ahead and take it now and not wait if the, when the games get more crucial in the in the telltale months of the season. Yeah, to me, I, I don't even get the idea of why you get an injunction in play now and risk sitting out. You know, the back half of the season. Like, I think that's crazy. I don't know why you wouldn't just take these now and and go. You know, whatever it is. I mean, I, obviously he's appealing, and I don't blame him for appealing. But but once it gets past that, uh, you, you take that whatever happens, and and that's that. Uh, I, I would. Well, I think Kevin. I think. Excuse me. I think they're hoping they could last the season before it would be settled. But you know how the NFL is. If, yeah. some, if an arbitrator steps in and reduces or they go to court, you can't trust the courts. You've got a better chance with an arbitrator because it's in the CBA of how long they can take. But you know how our court system is. The court system could end up doing it right before a playoff game. And that's why if you don't think you're going to get this for the season and you're not confident, you better just go ahead and take your medicine and get it over with. Do you think Harold Harold Henderson will be an impartial arbitrator? Oh, people like to say that because he worked for the league, he won't be. I don't know. He saw red where he'd handle 90 cases. I haven't spent because I haven't had to deal with this as a reporter covering the Texans of a player being suspended more than like Jalen Strong one game for getting busted for pot 16, a year and a half ago, which I'd forgotten about that he still might have a chance but uh so i know he's hurt a lot just because a guy worked for the league doesn't you know maybe he hates the league you know maybe he didn't have a good experience i don't know you like to think they got enough integrity to where they could make what they think is an impartial decision i personally believe they should have totally independent arbitrators and that roger goodell should not be involved in the process and uh and but Hey, the players negotiated it. They got to live with it. Yeah, you know, then this is just a little bit of a sidelight here. When you talk about the players negotiating it, that and you're certainly a lot have been a lot closer to this than I have over the years. But the the thing that always bugs me about the players in the union is that all they've ever cared about was getting more money. They, they've never cared enough about doing things to protect themselves, uh, you know, and, and they are getting closer to that now because, you know, basically because of the lawsuits and because of the NFL being afraid of those types of things. But when, when are the players ever going to realize, listen, we gotta, we got to take care of more business than just trying to get more money out of the owners? Well, because the reason the reason is, Kevin, this, and I've been through multiple strikes, and, in fact, this is the 30th year, Anniversary of the 1987's Cab football season. I'm going to be writing a bunch about that because all the stories I compiled from the Oilers during that period. And and the the unions run baseball and basketball. The owners run the NFL. If yeah. the players wanted to shut down a season, the owners are multi-billionaires. They, they wouldn't like it, but they would do it. Or they would do like in 87. They would play what they call replacement football make the games count. You guys remember some players managed to stay and play and and had multi-year careers after they were discovered that way. You don't want to do it. TVs, TVs uh, televised the game. So the players also remember when they crossed the picket line. Remember when some of the Cowboys' big mm-hmm. stars crossed the picket line? They got beat by Buddy Ryan and the Eagles, who didn't have any. So it was an ugly time. And I hear players today mouthing off about how it's going to be in 2021 when they're not going to be in the league and it's guys in college that are going to be suffering. 
but the players are making more money than they've ever made. The owners are making obscene amounts of money, franchises, multi-billion. And, uh, but I don't think players are willing to go all out on a strike like baseball because the careers are shorter, they make less money, and a lot of them blow more money. I've never figured that out. Why is it that NFL players seem to be broke so much and other players in other sports are not? And why do NFL players get more involved in domestic issues and other players in other sports don't? But uh, I think it's just because they're also, – also, remember, there's a player rep. You know that's a kiss of death at a time like that. And then there's an executive committee that basically makes all the decisions. And I think it would be interesting if we have a repeat uh, at the time in five years and uh, see how it's going to go. But right now it's all just lip service. You know, the, the thing that, that just kills me is I, I, I read today uh, the story about Matthew Stafford's contract. He is the highest paid player in the history of the NFL. Uh, and he's going to be making his contract is for ninety two million dollars guaranteed. Gar- well, yeah, he's got to go. He's got to go to three years though right. to get that guaranteed. He's got to go three years to get ninety two million guaranteed. Meanwhile, Giancarlo Stanton makes three hundred twenty five million. That's what he'll. That's what he'll make over the life of his contract. Three hundred twenty five million. Uh, basi- guaranteed. Guaranteed. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. So basically, uh, Matthew Stafford is getting Shinsu Chu money. He's not even getting as much as Shinsu Chu got from the from the Rangers. And he's <laughs> and he's he's ten times more valuable to his league than Shinsu Chu is to his. I mean that's just uh and and, and certainly the NFL's making more money than MLB is, right? I mean well, you think the TV contract. And the T V contract. Absolutely. So when you say it, so when I said that thing at the very first about the players are only concerned about money. Look, I, I get it. You know, they're you're you're absolutely right. They're they're getting screwed here as far as uh, the, the percentage of what they're getting compared to the NBA and well, their short lived careers and their short lived careers too. Plus, these are the guys who who are, who are paying for it long term. You don't see baseball players turning up with kind of uh, of dementia problems that football players have. You don't see basketball players having that. You don't even see you see a little bit in hockey. But you don't see it what the kind the, at the rate it is in football. These are serious issues. And 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 dovetailing into that, John, do you what do you see as the future for football with the with the constant reports of concussions, with the with stories you hear about declining uh, participation uh, in in some areas of the country in, in uh, high school football? Uh, do you think there's is there a reason for concern for the future of, of uh, pro football? I don't believe so. I remember before the movie Concussion came out, everybody's talking about it was going to destroy the game. It was going to change people's opinions about the game. And I think if it had come out five years ago, it would have had more of an impact. But I don't think there's anything that's going to surprise us anymore. People smoke. They know there's a good chance they're going to die, and they still smoke. I think people are going to play football. They look at the glamour, the money, possible endorsements, uh, the women. Uh, and so I think that uh, if the game is not going to decline in popularity, I would like to believe that they're going to come up with better equipment. The Texans have six players wearing a helmet that uh, is bigger, and it spreads the shock of a hit that's supposed to, re- they hope, reduce concussions. And anybody can wear it. They say it tested higher than any others on the market, and uh, you can't tell it noticeably. 
uh, like you think you could unless you get right down next to it. We did some stories on it in camp. So I, you like to think there's people out there that will someday be able to invent something to lessen that impact. And I've talked to a lot of players who who have problems, and if you ask them if they do it again, they do it again. That was that was meaning if I ever heard say no, I would never play football if I had it all to do over. Again. That was exactly the question I was going to follow up with and ask. I've talked to football players. You've talked to uh, hundreds more foot players than I have who are retired and guys who who have trouble with. Uh, remembering things and things like that. And to a man, everyone says, when you say, would you do it again? And to a man, everybody says, yes, I'd do it again. There's, o- there's, only, a couple I- yeah, there's only a couple I've talked to who, uh, Ron Mix, uh, had some, he, he had some misgivings. The only other one I ever had. Uh, Ron became a lawyer, by the way. Right. Charlie Kruger, uh, I believe, uh, was one who said uh, that uh, he would think about it. He would uh, think about it. it. Was it because of his head? Because, you know, those guys played – when there were no arthroscopic surgeries, and if you needed a cartilage done, it was a major surgery and a major rehab. Remember, yeah. DJ Hollab had more than oh. 20 surgeries. Jim Otto. You ask a player today if he's more worried about his knees and his head, and they say their knees. Yeah, it, it, you're right. When the players now, when they're playing, they don't care. I remember talking to Nate Newton once, and I was doing a story. This is in the early 90s. I was doing a story about players, and, and at this time it was about – uh, their weight and how big the guys were and how big they've gotten. So what does that mean for a guy, a 350-pound offensive lineman when he's 50 years old heart. or 60 years old or 70 years old if he lives that long? And uh, and I was talking to Nate Newton about it, and uh, and Nate was on a on a stationary bike while I was talking to him. And basically he said to me, why don't you just leave us alone and let us make a living? And and I, you know, and I was like, I'm not, I'm not condemning you because you're a 300 pound man. I'm, I'm uh, trying to express some concern here. I think, of course, since his career's been over, Nate's gone through a lot of weight loss, gastric uh, bypass, gastric bypass, and and uh, and he does do. He looks a lot better. Uh, but of course, that yo-yoing that he did all those years from going from 350 to 280 to you know to 340 to 290. That's not good for you either. I, I think probably in, in some ways, uh, you know, that's another issue to be confronted at some point when these guys' careers are over. If they don't lose that weight, uh, that alone is going to be a big problem for them. John, what do you th- what do you think about the the season for the Cowboys? Uh, you're you know, I like to talk to people who are not here every day, who who aren't out there listening to. Who are drinking the Kool Aid? Is that what you're saying? Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, I think anybody in the division can win the division, and uh, because. I really like Carson Wentz a lot. Love Prescott. Uh, Kirk Cousins uh, has been real good. Not great, but real good. And then there's Eli Manning. So they're set at quarterback. And I think in a division that anybody could win, anybody could finish last. I know people won't want to hear that. But I think it's a credit to the way this division has bounced back from being really bad three years ago. And and it's a cliche, but you guys know it's true you got to keep your quarterback healthy. If you lose that quarterback, you're in trouble. And it usually when you have that much balance, it comes down to injuries. That's like you say, Elliott was suspended four, take your lumps, go two and two. Who knows? They might do like the Patriots and go three and one. But you need that distraction out of the way instead of constantly him playing, wondering, is this going to be the last game? Is this next one going to be the last game? Oop, we're playing the Redskins for the division, and boom, he's out. I'll, I'll just – I'm you got to you got to focus and the distractions. You know, coaches want to eliminate as many distractions as possible, and I can imagine what it's been for the Cowboys not knowing 
and also for the media, the fans, everybody wants to know. It's a constant question, and it's just another distraction they don't need. I can't keep up. I don't know how y'all keep up with the suspended players. You know that that's just amazing to me. And and it. Well, we're kind of used to it around here. I think we all would agree. Cowboys season is going to come down to how well Rod Marinelli can get the defense to play. Yeah. Yeah, that you know, I was at the game the other night, and and that's what I wrote about the next day. Is that you know the offense, you know, looks like it's going to be really good, and and that's a good thing because the defense looks like it's going to be about the same, if not worse. You know, you, they're trying to replace all those guys in the secondary they lost with a bunch of young guys who couldn't play at all in training camp because they were all hurt. You lost Hitchens, and then the you know, lost Anthony Hitchens, who's probably having the best camp of all the linebackers. He can play all three positions. Uh, he can play on any down, and uh, and so. So they, it makes this the, the feel-good story is supposed to be Jalen Smith uh, and his comeback from this terrible knee injury he had with a nerve degeneration, and he's trying and they're, they're trying to get that to come back. And instead, now that's become well, uh, is is he going to be pressed into to a, a lot more service than what they what they had hoped or what they thought he could do? Uh, it's it's created quite a lot of problems for them on their defense. No question. Well, he about can, it. you know Jalen Smith to be incredible. If he can play candidate for the George Halas Award next year for a player that overcomes the most, because I thought when they drafted him for the second round they were crazy. I don't care what the doctors said based on all the reports about nerve damage. and What an incredible story that would be if he can overcome that and just make any contribution. I would imagine if he can play it all this year, he'll be much better in 2018 when he gets over the mental part subconsciously when they know what they can do with him, what he's capable of doing on the calls. And so I uh, I think that's a great story to watch. And it's tremendous when you got a feel-good story, when you got these feel-bad stories. <laughs> well, yeah, that's the Cowboys' unfortunate problem is that they, they don't have enough of the feel-good stories to counterbalance. You know, I was listening to the radio driving in this morning, and they were saying that uh, if Zeke gets suspended, he cannot have contact with any – uh, with the Cowboys, with any players, right. with any coaches, can he have contact with the other suspended players? Can they? Can they? <laughs> can they go out there and have their own? They go their practice own? on their own. Yeah, sure. Yeah. I think what you do in that situation is he's got you, you. You, for a guy that's shown immaturity, when he's out, you worry about him. You can provide for him. Uh, you can have him. You can do a Pac-Man Jones type deal if you need to. But you always worry when a guy's on his own and he's hanging out, what's what's he going to be doing during that period? Yeah. Will he get caught? Will he get in trouble again? You like to think that this is maturity, I mean, he's going to keep himself out of situations like that. But when you're with the Cowboys and you're a star like he is and everybody wants a piece of, piece of you, it's going to be hard. But, of course, he can do it. And I think that he will have the best possible support staff that you can get when he's out. When when first tell us this, we know what it's like to be a cowboy living in Dallas. What's it like to be a Texan living in Houston? Well, not a mat. Not a, nobody's got the mag. Well, I can't say nobody in Green Bay, and it's unbelievable up there the way it is for the Packers. But I would say probably nobody in any city other than Green Bay would compare to the Cowboys. And there's so much more to do, so much more trouble to get into, so many more people. To deal with, but in Houston, the Texans are really popular. J.J. Watt can't go anywhere. His popularity is national. People in Houston, if you're not wearing a 99 jersey, it's like something's wrong 
with you. If you see a jersey of another player, you're even though they got some other really good players, you're like, wow, it's amazing to see somebody besides Watt. And and so it's 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 they haven't won. You know, they've never been beyond the divisional round of the playoffs. We in Houston have not had a team go beyond the divisional round of the playoffs since the Oilers after the 1979 <laughs> season, and that includes seven consecutive Oilers playoff seasons during the run-and-shoot era with Warren Moon and then four Texans playoff appearances. They can't get beyond the divisional round because they're usually playing it on the road against the team that's going to win the Super Bowl. Well, I think the key is what you said when you mentioned the name Warren Moon, and it's just what you were talking about a while ago when you talked about the NFC East. Now, not all these guys have arrived yet. Uh, Carson Wentz is we, – we, people do think he's really good. I think a lot of people think he'll be better long-term than Dak Prescott is. But certainly Dak played really well last year for a rookie. Wentz played well for a rookie. Kirk Cousins played well finally last year. And then, of course, Eli. Who, who has the super, He has the Super Bowl. Two, two Super Bowl rings, yeah. So uh, is, there another, is there another division in football off the top of my head, I'm trying to think, John, that, that has uh, everybody has either a good quarterback or a guy who might be a great quarterback at some point? Um, boy, you'd have to search that one. Not the AFC East, not the AFC South. Maybe the NFC South with Breeze, Ryan, mm-hmm. Winston, and uh, – yeah. Right, and and Cam Newton. I would yeah. say that's the only other division. Yeah, yeah, that's right. Th- thanks for naming those teams, because Ke- when you said when you said that, <laughs> Kevin goes, he emotionally, what teams are in, in that division? But well, you know, I was having to think too. <laughs> this is hard for me to think that much. John, you've been so great to come on and spend all this time with us. Uh, enjoy your stay up here. If we, if there's anything we can do, can we take you out to eat? Can we, can we do something for you? To, to I appreciate that very much, Kevin and Barry. But I'm, I'm working, and I've got friends up here. I'm going to see at night from that I grew up with. I appreciate the invitation, and I'm looking forward to going back to the star because I always have fun when I come up to the Metroplex. Beautiful, John. Thanks and I'd so like much. to thank. Hey, I'd like to thank everybody. In, in this area who's reached out to Houston. It's been overwhelming the help from Houston and around the country that people have offered to help people's of the victims of the flood. And I just want to say thank you on behalf of Houston. Well, you know, if, if it was the other way around, we know the people of Houston would be absolutely knocking themselves oh, yeah. we out. We did it for New Orleans, and we'd do it for Big D. Absolutely. Thank you, guys. Thanks, Thanks John. John. There he goes, John McClain, the general. He's a great one. You know, when I, he was at, the, he was at the, the Chronicle when I was at the Houston Post. And, of course, I, I haven't been at the Houston Post since 1985. Well, he's, what, what did he say? Houston How many Post. years has he, has, he, has he been there? 30? Uh, little, Cover, covering, uh, just covering. I, I want to think, uh, you know, I, I, I want to think that John. I don't remember well, time he wasn't. Well, yeah, I don't either. I, I, of course, like we said, I don't remember breakfast. I remember, you know, here's what I remembered was that in telling people this is that we keep hiring people to cover the Oilers uh, at the at the post and the post was a really in the in Houston the post was a better sports section. And I don't, I'm not just well, saying well, that you didn't bring that up when John was on the phone. No, I didn't bring that up then, but but it was. But but we got our heads handed to us on, on Oilers coverage. Beat. Yeah, because John John beat everybody that we had. Well, let's let's make another uh, ballsy podcast contributor angry, or maybe you won't. Who would you rather have covering your team, John McClain or Gary Myers? Oh, I'm going to send him the tape. No, you know, you know what I think of Myers. Myers is number one. 
John, John, the great thing about John is he knows everything. That was a great answer because we're going to have Gary, I think, on the podcast next week. And Are we? John has already been on, so we. No, I, I listen. I love John. I think he's he's great. He's great. I, I but but Gary to me is on on the. Uh, I, I I'd take John over just about anybody, but I but I but Gary would be my number one pick. You're you're smitten. I am. I am. All right, Kevin. What else do we have on the Ballsy Podcast today? Well, we had you know Barry Switzer, the who king was, of Oklahoma, who was the most ballsy of any <laughs> guest we've ever had. <laughs> Maybe that's who I was thinking of when I came up with the name for the for the podcast. I was thinking uh, of Barry. He, he, you know, they we should just call him Ballsy Switzer. Ballsy Switzer. Yeah, I like it. I like because it. he, if 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 you don't like college football, if you're not a college football fan, it's got to be the most entertaining podcast. Maybe we've ever done. I think, and coincidentally, Evan Grant wasn't here. Of course, yeah. It's it's pretty much one through five are all Barry Switzer, and then we and then we start after that. Yeah, he 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 was amazing. You know the stories he told. We, we he even told a Bum Phillips story, and we didn't even get to tell. I'm John. not even. And I'm thinking about that. I'm not even sure that that was right. <laughs> that Bum Phillips was at Texas El Paso at UTEP. Well, I don't think he was. He was never there as a head coach. No, but he might have been. I, I'm going to look. I'll bet you a nickel that, that Bum Phillips was in this. All right, everybody who's listening, go to your iPads, go to your your smartphones, and look it up. Was Bun Phillips ever at Texas El Paso? <laughs> I like how we we let that one bleed over into. Well, the, I, I don't know. I don't, know, I don't know the podcast. answer. I don't know the answer. All right. Well, we need to let this one go though, because uh, it's time to move on. We got Evan Grant waiting for us, uh, one of our frequent guests uh, in Tampa, former Bay, host, former host of the Ballsy Podcast. So, uh, on behalf of everybody here who was a part of this fine NFL podcast, I'm saying thank you. And good luck and stay dry. Bye. Thanks for listening to the Ballsy with a Z podcast. Don't forget to subscribe via iTunes. You'll get new episodes every week. And follow us on Facebook and Twitter. Until next time, sports fans, see you.